Hi, and welcome to the Living in Harmony Family Ministry Podcast, where parents are at the forefront of raising their kids. We exist to help families create a biblical culture in the home while navigating the culture in the world. That being said, welcome to the show. Well, welcome to Living in Harmony. We are on episode seven, the number of completion, which is kind of convenient (laughs) because this is the last episode for the year, 2022. It's been a good ride. We've had a good few episodes and the feedback is still just, it's been very good. I want you to know everyone who has written us, who's um, posted to us on Facebook. Thank you for that because that informs what we're doing here. I think today we have a really fun podcast, Uh, but before we do that, let's go ahead and roll into what did we get up to this past week? So today I'm Delmar. I'm Robert. And I'm April. And they're married and I'm married, but we're not all married together. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my wife is in Pennsylvania with my kids right now. So, <laughs> all right. Well, how, what'd y'all get up to this week? Uh, so, well, this week was, it was a good week for, we had some friends, some of our very best friends in from out of town staying with us and, and our kids, um, our oldest son and his wife came over and a couple times and we got to watch some Christmas movies, several different nights and, um, Cookies. Yeah. Made cookies. Made some fish and chips, like authentic fish and chips last night. That was great. It's not really Christmas food, but it was tasty. No, it has nothing to do with it. I got to ask, is it gluten-free? Part of it was, part of it wasn't. We made two different kinds, and they were both excellent. Yeah, we don't, we don't, it's not that everything we eat is gluten-free. You're just conscientious. We just have a, well, we have a a kid who will go into physical pain and discomfort if he has gluten so can, can i tattle on your kid sure right here on this podcast go yes, right ahead because he'll be listening he listens okay. yesterday he was in uh charlotte with me Other we kid. Were, yeah yeah we were uh we were up there um doing a video for a wedding and in, in the, the temperature's dropping right now we got this polar vortex coming in and he said uh man i turn around he's like ouch ouch I'm like, he's like blowing on his fingers he's got gloves on it's like i can't feel my hands and i'm like you need to eat better, boy. He goes, yeah, no, yes. I need to quit eating that gluten. That's why I'm cold right now. I'm like, <laughs> I'm are so you, glad. I'm, like, so I don't know. He's not our kid. The problem is he's not the one that has the physical pain. I know. So he'll still eat that kind of stuff. Or it's our but he, he attributes it to that. Yes. I, so I was like, I don't know. The if truth that's, is out. I don't know. Anyways, jury's out on that one. So what did you guys do? <laughs> what did I do this week? That's a good question. Well, uh, my wife, we had planned on going. They had planned on going to visit. Our in-laws' family in Pennsylvania over Thanksgiving didn't work out. Nanny, our nanny was sick. That's one of the reasons we didn't have the podcast last couple weeks. My grandmother passed away, so we did not go there in Thanksgiving. So she's taken them just for this week, um, come back midweek to Pennsylvania so the kids can see some snow. They can. Uh, my youngest can meet great aunts and great uncles for the first time. So that means uh, that's where she's been, which means this week... I get to clean the house, so I'm pretty excited. (laughs) But anyways, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and transition to our our next segment. And I think this is a good segment. It's a special segment. It's a resolution segment. Here we go. All right, so we have been doing this uh, a few months now. And if you've been listening, you know that every week we generally talk around a lot of things, through a lot of issues, throw a lot of things out. And uh, what we talked about today is... We sat down before the, the podcast and we said, you know, let's pull from some of our former stuff and say, okay, how does this mean things in our life? Like daily application. And not just that, how can we make it a way here forward? And and here's what we know. When's the worst time to go to the gym? First week of January. First week of January. <laughs> I'm resolved. I'm going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in its prime, you know? <laughs> And now you're just making all the, the healthy people have to wait on their machines so you can give up two weeks from now. But the point being, sometimes we have these resolutions and they're just really hard to keep because they're so out there. And ultimately, because we we want them, but we don't realize we need them, right? Because if you realize you need something, like if I need air, I'm going to do whatever I can to get air. So today, we want to just submit a couple things that we talked about beforehand that we think have, have bubbled up in these conversations and would make great resolutions. And we are going to join you in these, which is, which is, which has got some skin in the game because uh, some of these are, you know, they require effort. So here we go. Number one, our resolution for the living in harmony podcast is this. We're going to try to have 
at least one new type of conversation with our child a week. Yeah, so what do you mean, Delmar, by new type of conversation? Yeah, that's a fair question. Cause it's you a hear, setup question. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a softball right it's, there. It's a softball. Thank you. I appreciate that. You, you know how we work around here. <laughs> yeah, so oftentimes in family, especially in seasons of routine, seasons where we're not going through trials, tribulations, it's really easy to get in just to this pattern, in this rhythm, where, hey, what you having for dinner? Spaghetti. What you do at school today? Nothing. What you want to do this weekend? I don't know. Go to the movies? Hey, what did you think about that? It was nice. And one of the things as parents that we're entrusted to do is to help our kids grow, not just spiritually, but also just as human beings. And we did talk about this previously on the podcast, how conversation is a lot more akin to art, a good conversation. Whereas today it's seen more as a utility, right? I just got to say this thing to get this thing to happen. But if you've ever sat in a room with people who know how to talk, you know there is something amazing in that. And that's something that's taught, you know? And I think it's better that we don't let um, other people have the joy of doing this really awesome thing. So when we talk about new conversations, we're talking about having a new spiritual conversation with them about maybe something they're struggling with in their life. Maybe, but, but it doesn't have to be that. Maybe the conversation is, hey, this week, son, we're going to go out. I'm going to talk to you about how to skin a fish because that's important, you know? But it's, it's having these new conversations. It keeps us always in the game. Yes. So one of the things that I've, I've thought about in, at times is, you know, I, I look at my kids and I think, okay, what are some things as an adult that I'm glad I know how to do? Um, you know, it might be changing a tire. It might be, you know, um, you know, something really simple, you know, honestly, um, changing a light bulb at, you know, early on, you know, how, what's the, how do you take the light fixture off and just, just things that are life skills. And, and so I've at times made a point to say, okay, we're going to go out, we're going to go out today and we're going to, we're going to swap the tires around just so you know how to do it. We're going to take a tire off, put a tire back on. You know, and, and that's a that's a skill, but you can think of the conversation in the same way. What are some things I wish I knew how to talk about and 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 bring that up? And I think you know, something that that uh, you know we have used and um, continue to do is to to talk to our kids about things that their friends or things that their generation um, thinks or believes and just try to try to dig into that a little bit. And we've, we've bounced off of that a couple of times in previous, previous episodes, you know, trying to understand. And, and it's, it's not, you know, those are interesting because it, it's not a lecture. It's not us telling them things. It's, you know, you really have to practice listening and, and you get to learn a lot if you, if you do that right. You know, I also think that you could, from in a practical sense, you could actually find ways to make it fun, um, to maybe help move through some of the awkwardness if it's not something you're used to doing and also to help get kids invested and involved regardless their, of their ages. Cause this would work whether your children are small or whether you're, you have older teenagers um, or even adults, you don't, I mean, you can have kids who are, are, are grown and do this, but you could have like a jar and you could have write down um, conversation topics that you wish you could talk with them about, or that you maybe feel a little uncomfortable bringing up or you want to make sure you don't forget to talk to them about or just whatever, for whatever reason, things that you think are important to talk. And you could also um, involve your kids in that and they could come up with things and you just write them on slips of paper and stick them in a jar. And then you guys could just like pull something out and see what it is. And you know what, this is what we're going to talk about. And then it almost makes it a little bit like, you know, like I'm not trying to liken it to an icebreaker game per se, but, you know, people who otherwise might not participate in certain things do in icebreaker games because they're kind of um, accustomed to, um, to to going along with it and participating with it. And so even if you feel like that might be an awkward thing to try and get started if it's not something that you're used to, you could try that with like with like a conversation jar and Sometimes maybe one of your kids can pull a topic out or the parent can pull a topic out. You can involve them in it or you could not let them know you have the jar and maybe you just are, you have the jar and you're like, what am I going to talk to them about this week? Pull it out. Like, okay, this, the decision was made, you know, beyond me, this is what it's going to be. Yeah. And one, one thing kind of on that, you said something that I think is key is that, you know, it's a little awkward. Yeah, it is. 
you know, sometimes these things... Embrace the awkward. Embrace the awkward. I was going to say exactly that, man. It's almost like <laughs> it's you know like what I'm thinking. It's like you know each other. But, but uh, no, that's that's something that I that, that I had to do, you know, just kind of mentally. I'm, I'm not one of those people who's naturally good at conversations in most circumstances. And so... You know, especially with people that I that I don't know well, or if I'm trying to steer a conversation into a particular place. Um, so if if it's flowing naturally, I'm talking about something I'm interested in, the other person's interested in, great. But if it's if I'm trying to if I'm trying to direct something in a way, I'm often not good at that. And so I've just had to 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 get used to the idea that sometimes I'll say something that just eh, just doesn't doesn't really you know doesn't doesn't flow naturally. But believe it or not, almost most of the time, at least with with our kids and our family, when we've had those conversations, when we, when something like that has happened, it it it's just kind of like, oh, okay, that was kind of a weird way to start, but let's go, let's go, <laughs> and, and so it doesn't really, you know, it, it's not the it's not the hang up that it that it, that it sort of psychologically seems to be. It's just something that's like, oh, that's a little weird, but okay, let's go. But, you know, depending on their personality, like I know I, I can I can speak for our kids. I mean, if you were to and I mean, you've done this before. And I've done this before. It's like, so if you don't even know how to start. So here's a question I was wondering or here's a question I'd love to get your opinion on. I mean, our kids instantly would be, you know, oh, what? Or sometimes depending on the they will tell me depending on the look, the expression on my face it sets the tone for what they like. Oh, oh, it's going to be one of those questions or what, whatever they somehow they have it categorized in their mind of depending on the look on mom's face, it's the conversation is going to go one way or the other, but you know, they, yeah. they roll with it. There's like, multiple okay, ways, you know, there's, you have to do what works for your family, but you have to do it because your family's dependent on it. And here's the thing. You already know this. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, but your child is going to have that conversation. Wouldn't you rather it be with you, you know, mm -hmm. um, or having to have it on the other side of the repercussion of not having that conversation? And what I've learned, and, and there again, I'm a novice doing this like five years. Okay. I was a student pastor a while, so I was really good at telling other parents how they should raise their kids for 15 <laughs> years. <laughs> All right. And then you had kids. I know, and right? you're like, what? hello, hello. Just, <laughs> just tell them to stop anyways. Um, but you know, I had to have one of those with, uh, with my son last week with, with, with nanny dying, mm -hmm. my oldest, especially cause he knew her, you know, well enough. And uh, it's tough because just last year we had to have this about his like, favorite great uncle. And now I uh, had to sit him down last week and I said, uh, hey, Calvin. He said, yeah, dad. I said, I need, I need you to look me in the eyes because that's how he knows I'm serious. I need you to look me in the eyes for this one. Okay. He said, what? Well, turn TV off. Look me in the eyes. Nobody else was home. I didn't want any distractions. I said, hey, buddy, nanny passed away. And he just looks at me and he goes, nanny died? And he just had, he just said it in a way it's like sometimes as adults we try to butter it up too much. Like the kids just say it. And then I'm sitting here thinking, I don't know what to say after this, you know, like because we talked about he goes, and then he says, five years old. Well, she's been sick a long time. So and then she yeah. So you know, as we as we have these conversations, I think what I'm learning, I didn't know my kid process stuff like that and when you enter those conversations with your child you learn the character you learn the dna the makeup you learn their quirks you learn what embarrasses them like i already have a playlist on my phone that i have i'm gonna play when i drop my kids off at public events when we get older like i have that <laughs> whether it's karate or whatever um but have those conversations here's another one here's another one and this is a resolution, so I think this is this goes as far as you'll take it. If you have one a week, doesn't have to be earth shattering, but you need to put a few earth shattering ones in there. Uh, number two, I'm going to resolve to not be a spiritual hindrance in my child's life. Mm. And this is one we have been talking around a lot, and we just want to talk directly to it. And I'm gonna. I'll put some kindling in the fire and then I'll cut y'all loose. <laughs> uh, you know, there's ways that we're spiritually hindrance. And I speak to all of us. I speak to myself, right? And just a culmination of some of the podcasts we've had, we're, we're a spiritual hindrance to my children when we think theology is too intimidating for us to learn it. 
we're spiritually hindering to our children when we don't study our church to make sure that it is a place that God would approve. Um, we are spiritually a hindrance to our children when we are not living out the principles that we say, which leads to other um, another conversation that we're going to have next. But there are certain things we do that, that hurt our children uh, spiritually. So we want to resolve to, to not be that hindrance. Everything else on the planet is. Mm-hmm. So, Did you just said so much in those few words right yeah, I'm there. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but that's 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 so good. I mean, and and I think one thing when you're talking about, you know, being a spiritual, not being a hindrance, you kind of have to know where you want to go, right? And 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 so look at, you know, uh, look at where think about where you want your what what do you want your kids to to know to be, you know, spiritually? What do you want them to to look like? We think about this sometimes in terms of of physical fitness or, you know, you know, I want, want my kid to be a, you know, to be a, a you know, a, a sports, you know, in a sports league and, you know, a, an all-star or something like that. We kind of, we kind of set these goals. I want them to be able to, um, to be able to, to, to go to college and get good grades. And, and we, we set these goals for our kids, but we don't often think about uh, spiritual goals. You know, I want my kid to be able to answer questions when, you know, when someone challenges their faith. I want my kid to be able to reach into the wisdom of scripture when something happens, you know, that they, that they are, that they're emotionally or, or, um, you know, spiritually challenged by. And, and, you know, so what does that mean if I'm going to do that? Well, if I want my kid to be able to reach into scripture, my kid has to know scripture. Okay. How do I do that? So maybe you find a, a, an Awana program or something that, that, that that teaches scripture and you know or maybe you just start doing it yourself and say okay we're gonna we're gonna try and memorize one thing or we're gonna read things or we're gonna constantly come back or or um uh, we're gonna get a you know we're gonna get a get a playlist of uh you know just the bible and that's what they're going to go to sleep doing uh we've got a, a, a some friends of ours that their kids are in high school high school and college age now and some of them still go to sleep listening to you know bible for for 30 minutes they'll just put the put it on play while they're going to sleep shane and shane they literally just sing the psalms right and they're amazing i can't believe they get paid for singing the scriptures like the lord wrote their songs for them a lot of them and they're just whatever <laughs> they deliver it yeah, so right. well the copyrights expired on it by now. <laughs> but yeah there there's a lot of ways that we can be a spiritual hindrance <laughs> and i think that we also have to isolate in us where we need to grow in our sanctification because where we're not growing in our sanctification is oftentimes where we're not able to take our children. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's actually what I was going to, you kind of just said what I was, what I was thinking, which was part of being, um, trying to avoid being a spiritual hindrance is, um, it's not just about making sure they know the word. It's making sure you know the word too. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it you just, can't lead them where you're not going. Right. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect at it. It doesn't mean you have to already have all the answers. It just means you have to be willing to be on the same journey you're wanting your children to be traveling. Yeah. And it's, and one of the things, this is the hardest thing I've seen so many times for people to get over, is that they look at people who are knowledgeable about Scripture or can tie together fancy sentences and words and think, well, I'm, I'm not articulate. You can be. Like, literally... You can love the Lord. And if you love the Lord, he gives you, he gives you what you need. It doesn't mean you have to say it like a PhD, because let's be honest, we just said it. Sometimes children say it better than professors. You have the ability, actually, you have the authority through the power of the Holy Spirit in you to grasp the things of God and not just grasp them. Because we're not told to go and be consumers of knowledge. We're told to go and make disciples, which means this. If you are a Christian, you have the ability to make a disciple. Yes. Do not think you can't teach your child. Do not think, oh, I don't know the word. I can't teach them. No. By telling them you don't know the word, that is teaching them something. Is teaching them that you don't know everything and you're going to go learn it. But that's not an excuse. If you're a Christian... You have the ability to make a disciple. So this year, we're really, I feel like this is kind of 
Okay, it's a resolution, but it's like what we're supposed to be exactly. doing anyways. So, so you know, so the there you go. It's, it's two and it's two and one, right? Um, which kind of brings us to to beating around the bush on the third one. There's only four, but the third one, this one's really hard. <laughs> um, well, let's put it this way: I think it's really hard. Um, sometimes it's really easy when it's like nonchalant, but when it's like deeply personal, it's really hard. Oh, I'm not looking forward to this one. I can tell you that. <laughs> Go for it, Delmar. But maybe my wife will be in Pennsylvania and won't listen. <laughs> but I still have to do it, though. All right, here we go. Here it is. I'll resolve that I will admit when I'm wrong and when necessarily apologize to my entire household. Yeah. Yep. I'm, like I said, not looking forward to that. Um, but it's it's something we have to do because... You know, we can think about it in terms of resolutions. You can think about it in terms of just behavior. Uh, we're not going to be able to meet everything we want to do. We're not going to be able to be perfect. And you know, just to to bounce ahead a moment into what we're gonna what we're gonna talk about, uh, when we start talking about uh, sermon is you know grace. You know, understanding that that grace is about giving and receiving it. So when I when I am you know, recognizing what God's done for me, me, that gives me the the ability to kind of reach into His uh, perfection and His grace, and to to accept that for myself and uh, and apologize to other people when I've wronged them. You know, if that logic makes sense as I walk through yeah. it, because because God has forgiven me, not only can I forgive others, but I can. I can ask for that forgiveness from others and I can acknowledge my shortcomings because I know that that God's grace is sufficient for, you know, for my redemption in that in that sense. And it's his grace to give. One of the hardest things for me to like stomach who's the only one who's never wrong? It's the Lord. So, if I and my family am unwilling to admit that I'm wrong, I am saying I'm the God of my family. Yeah. Yep. And as Matt Chandler said, humans make lousy gods. Yeah. yeah. Because True. then you're saying, you're telling your kid, look at me, I'm the standard. And then when you don't meet it, they literally don't know how to compute it. Right? There's people listening now, like you grew up thinking your parents was just they never made a mistake because that's the way your house was brought up. And then there was this epiphany day when you realized they're human. And that's tough because it's like, what do I do with this? This has been my standard. Well, in some sense, that's natural as a, when your children are small, you know, a small child, you know, a four five, six, seven year old does think, you know, mom and dad are perfect because that's, that's, that is their, uh, hopefully in a, in a, in a, in a reasonably happy household that, you do, you know, the child does think mom and dad are perfect, and and it's really hard to break that. And then by the time they get to thirteen, mom and dad are completely wrong. But you know, and so so you kind of get it averages out. Um, but 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 that's um, you know, I think it's important even at that young age to say no, no, daddy's not perfect. Um, you know, I I did make a mistake on this. I did wrong. You know, I I behaved badly, and I think that that helps to you know, reaching back to talk about discipleship a minute. You know, I think that helps to model. Uh, that helps to model uh, our need for Christ's forgiveness in in kind of the the macro level at the big picture level, because we look and say, "Oh yeah, I I you know raised my voice. I I lost my temper a little bit. You know, I I hit my thumb with a hammer and said something I shouldn't have, or whatever it was. Um, you know, whatever the whatever the situation is. You know, being being transparent about that uh, in some sense, I think." kind of levels that out. If you acknowledge that you're not perfect when they're young, then they recognize that and they don't rebel as much in the in the teenage years. Well, and and also, you know, another thing that I think is worth thinking about here is um as parents, we are modeling behavior for our kids and they are watching us. And so if we aren't able to model apologizing when we're wrong, admitting, you know, when we've done something wrong, whether it was I lost my temper with you or I, you know, forgot this or I didn't keep my word and I said we would do this or just just whatever it is. Um, the way we handle moments like that where, you know, 
or we fell short and we messed up or whatever, our kids are watching that. And you've got to think, you know, how, you know, if you have a son, how do you want your son to handle dealing with times when he's wrong, when he's grown up and married and has a wife? How do you want him to treat his wife when he realizes he's wrong? Do you want to be modeling for your kids that when they're wrong, they just, you know, bristle up and refuse to to have that conversation with their spouse? Or, you know, if you have a daughter and what you're teaching is you're always right or you don't ever have to apologize or, you know, um, even when we're wrong, we're right. Then, you know, how do you think your daughter's going to grow up and treat her husband? So, you know, we're, we are modeling for our kids and sometimes kids are going to grow up and they're going to be like exactly like the way their parents treated them. That's how they're going to treat others. And sometimes it's actually the opposite. You have this moment of, I'm not continuing that behavior and I'm going to do something different. And sometimes you don't turn out repeating exactly what they did. And so I know for me, and I'm definitely, I'm not perfect at it by any means, but my hope, my hope, my goal is that my kids grow up and want to replicate what I've modeled for them because it was, it was right. And it was, I mean, I was, I was modeling the right thing. And that's a, that's a great point because, you know, we try to teach our kids what's right and wrong, but one apology, you know, for saying, yeah, I, I said something about you know, so-and-so down the street or, or about someone that I was having a disagreement with, um, that can say more to a kid about honesty and about integrity than 10, 12, a hundred lectures about it because you're, you're, because you're showing that it, that it means something. Uh, and, and you're showing that that not only is that a, it's not just a, a fact that, that lying is wrong, but it's actually a, uh, a standard that you should order your life by. Yeah. And when you apologize preemptively, it's sincere. When you apologize after the fact, that's called saving face. And kids know that. And, and, th- and go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and we should, can we also talk for a moment just about the fact that an apology is not, well, I'm sorry if you felt this way, or I'm sorry if you yeah. took it to mean that. At the end of the day, we we own how our how our information is received as well. So a real apology shouldn't be a backhanded insult and cat shifting the blame to the other person for the way they interpreted it. You know, I'm sorry that that hurt you. It wasn't my intention. I did mess up, but you know. I feel like I've read somewhere that we're going to be accountable for every every yeah, stray word, so. right? <laughs> well, and, and I'll say this: my final thought is. There is a level of emotion, of empathy required to apologize sincerely from the spirit in humility. And I don't know what that, uh, that accompanying emotion is for you, but, but for a lot of times, for me, it's embarrassment. It keeps me from doing it. It could be pride. Um, the most awkward one lately, the biggest one, I was with y'all. It was really <laughs> yeah. awkward. Do y- y'all remember? No. They did forget. Yeah. <laughs> Do you really want to remind us? Well, we we were at our Bible study on Tuesday, and like a few, like two months ago, maybe. And I said something. I can't even remember what I said. Uh-huh. And, I, then, what? and then afterwards, I'm like, that probably came across rude. And Whatever we, it was, I don't remember. We went through the whole Bible study, and I'm like, I know that came across. I had to come. <laughs> so we're done. All y'all are sitting down there talking. Everybody's talking, and I'm like. Uh, like, how do you butt in with this? And I was like, <laughs> we're, we're, we were about to eat the next week. I remember this very clear. We were gonna because everybody's talking about what they're gonna bring the food to eat. And I was like, oh yeah, so someone's got the plates and someone's got the things. Oh, and, and by the way, everybody, um, I think I said something really offensive, and I want to apologize. <laughs> that was so awkward for me. And I remember everybody was like, we knew you didn't mean it that way. And I was Whatever like, probably we don't remember it because is it? <laughs> we don't even remember. That's <laughs> it was so awkward. But you know, like, I thought... That was character building for you. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. But see, that's the thing. Like, sometimes the Lord, he he does want us to apologize, not for what people hear, but for what may be the content of what was on our heart. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's harder. Mm. Because sometimes... How many times I apologize just because I know you were offended? How many times I apologize you didn't get offended, but I meant ill? Mm. You know? So, like, I think when we lean into this, when we encourage you to apologize to your family... 
It's not because we're trying to have a big therapy session. It's because like that's how that's how humility enters the relationship. That's how, like you said, Robert, that's how honesty about who we are as people enter it. So, which brings us to um, our last one in regards to our entire family going deeper, one level deeper, and is our last resolution is this. My family will go one level deeper into our local church this year. That's a good one. Yeah, because it is the family's primary role to disciple our children, but we are not meant to do it out of community, out of the authority of a local governing body of believers who can guide us, hold us accountable, be a shoulder for us to cry on. So this year, our challenge to you, write down, what does one level deeper in your family mean? Yeah, that's a, and that's going to be, that's going to be different for every family. And it might mean some of these things we're talking about, you know, it might mean, you know, find some catechism questions and start working through them. It might mean, you know, build out that uh, conversation jar that April was talking about a minute ago. You know, it might mean uh, start going to church regularly, right? Start showing up in, in worship on Sunday morning. It might mean volunteering someplace. Um, and that's going to be. It might be. It might mean starting to give, you know, and be might. generous. Yeah, so, and that's something that you have to you have to think about. Um, you know how how is it that you're going to do that? And if your kids are old enough, you know, involve them in the discussion. Think about that. There have been times that we've done that. Um, it's that that you know, especially as they got old enough to do volunteering on their own, and so they're you know. One or more of the kids will be in different different ministries. Okay, let's talk about what that means to, you know, to you and to our family. How are you going to grow through that? Are you doing that because you, you know, are you doing that for the right reasons, or are you doing that because that's what popular kids do, or because that's what you know that that because that'll put you up in front and 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 make you, uh, you know, it it will put you forward. Yeah, and. As you consider whether or not you're going to do this resolution of going one level deeper in your local church, we want to put a clarifier on there. That does not mean one level busier. Because your local church can tie up every night of the week, every day. Mm -hmm. Deeper and busier are different things. Some Some of us are way too busy in church because we're not serving where we're supposed to be serving, right? We'd rather be over here doing the the thing that's we've been doing for thirty years. It doesn't stretch us, grow us, or anything, but it's really good busy work. Yeah, that you know what that this other new congregate needs to be doing, but you're in their spot. So, what does it mean for us all to go one level deeper? And like you said, Robert, that's different for everybody. I know, I know for for my children, I'm just being very honest. For my children, that means that. Uh, at at Harmony, where we are now, there is a weekly midweek service. Okay, well, where they came from, that didn't exist, right? They're going to be going to that because they're learning the word there. They're learning to interact and socialize with other kids. There's wonderful people who know a lot about God teaching them. And I think it's also important that they be around daddy while he's there. You know, so... For us, that's that's for my children. That's their one level. It's not some big strenuous thing. They like going, but that's what that's what theirs is. Yeah, yeah for ours, there have been times in our lives where, you know, talking about busy is not deep. There have been times where going a level deeper actually meant dropping some activities, and even even church activities. It's like okay, we're doing seven things across the five of us in this family, and that's just too much. And so now we've got to pick, okay, where where is it that God is actually using me, you know, and where is it that I'm sitting in a spot that someone else belongs to? Yeah, because the thing that we don't like to admit, but it needs to be said, your your family still comes first. Mm-hmm. So if, the, if, if your church activity is so disproportionately spread amongst the family members or amongst different departments in the church that it's hurting your family, that's not God's will for you. Yeah, stereotypical uh, preacher kid thing, right? Yeah, because the the you know pastor spends so much time thinking about other people's families, forget to forget to uh, deal with your own. Yeah, and 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 what we're what we're doing here is we're showing our kid how not to be our family. We're not going to be that eighty percent. You know, the eighty percent who just show up, 
go home. No, we, we want to be a part of the inverse. We want to be a part of the movement away from that. We want to be a part of the church that where people, if you go to, if you go to that church, you better be ready to serve because they do that there. You know, so that's a big challenge. And I know that of all of these that we've talked about, I think this one requires the most intrusion in your life, right? Because I can have a conversation in my house, right? I can study the word in my house on the podcast. I can admit when I'm wrong. This one requires me carving out time. It requires me putting forth effort and growing one level deeper. And, and here's my encouragement to you. Communicate. When, when you sat down and prayed about that, what that is, communicate that to somebody. Tell your pastor at your church. Meet with them. You know, if he won't meet with you, find a pastor who'll meet with you, right? And say, hey, listen, we need, we know we need to go here. What does this look like? And, and I think that you'll be very happy and surprised when you see what that looks like because you never know what one level deeper 10 years from now looks like. Oh, my gosh. I could just imagine. So, well, those are four resolute things. I'm going to be honest. I'm glad we didn't do five because four. <laughs> Oof, okay. That's enough. That's, that's enough. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Well, how about this? Let's go ahead. We're going to transition to what we heard in church this week. And, man... What did we hear in church this week? Afterwards, Lots of good. <laughs> Lots of good I, I pulled our pastor aside afterwards. I said, dude, yours is the sign of sermon that other preachers steal off the internet and use as their own. <laughs> Today's sermon was, I, I don't know. I felt like if if you left today and you didn't feel a certain way, then, then I, I, there's something wrong in your soul. Because <laughs> he ultimately was talking about what is grace upon grace. Yeah, that was that was killer. I mean, this whole this whole passage in John chapter one is is just every word is deep. I mean, it and it's um, you know it's it, it, John approached his gospel differently than the other than the other writers did, and and it's it's really cool to think about how you know what it was that the incarnation meant, and we're you know in in Christmas season where we are, we we think about that, but sometimes we don't think about that. And so here we're we're thinking about what does it mean for Christ to be you know the the image of God the the you know that this is how God displays Himself for us you know Jesus shows us you know the the law showed us uh, you know God's standards of right and wrong the law showed us where we fall short of that and, and even and started talking to us about grace um, but Jesus really demonstrates all of those things and I think that was just I mean. We can't think about that enough. Yeah, he used the illustration of when we launched that telescope in space, and it yeah, the Hubble telescope, the Hubble, yeah, yeah, and it couldn't see clearly, and they couldn't pull it back in Earth because it would burn up. They couldn't, you know, so they literally created a contact lens to go on and to correct it, and it worked. And that's what Christ is to the law. He is what makes it clear to us. Um, he, he is the perfection of it. I thought that was so good because ultimately where that leads us in this passage is we get a clear picture of what true truth and grace looks like. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes we tend to lean into one of two camps harder than the other, you know, um, generally institutionally more left progressive churches go toward grace and more conservative go towards truth. But really um, it's, it's both equal and, you know, in unison. And that's what Christ did. And, and oh, I love that, where he was talking about, he's like, you know, God hung out with sinners, but he told them they were sinners. Right. And he, he said this, this line, I just wrote it down, Jesus told the absolute truth about our sin, and then he went and died so you can be yeah. forgiven. Yeah. I oh. loved that line. That's grace. And it leads to it, and and he had these these points, and I think these are just um, these are just as convicting as what we just got finished talking about. Mm -hmm. But these five things that what grace really does in us when it's brought into clarity through the lens of Christ, and the first one is um, similar to what we were just talking about in apology. And the first one is it it, it affects how we process our failures. Mm. So, well, any thoughts on it? We're going to be dealing with that as we try to deal with these these resolutions we just talked about, right? Because <laughs> yeah. we are not going to, 
it, let's be honest with ourselves, we're not going to meet those, uh, certainly not perfectly, and no. and probably not very well to start with. Um, you know, and when that happens, that's that's one of the things that we we have to think about is how how do we handle those failures? Well, you can handle those failures the way you talked about people at the gym. Oh, I didn't make it this week, and so you know, even though I signed up for the six month membership, after three weeks, I'm never going back because I just you know. Uh, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm just, it, it's not working for me, right? It's not working out. And, and so we give up. And, and that's something that, that grace doesn't allow us to do, if that's the right way to think about it. You know, God has told us, he's like, up front, yep, you're not going to make it. You're, you cannot do this on your own. Yeah, just start, we'll just start there. You know, the, that's the, the bad news before the good news. You know, yep, you're you're not going to meet my standard of holiness. But the good news is I can fix that in you, you know, as I sanctify you, I can fix that in you and 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 bring you forward through this idea of grace. And Jesus is the the example and the epitome of that uh, of that grace. And it allows us to to step up off of a failure and to get back up. Yeah, I mean grace reveals the failure. That's what I love about it. Because grace is born from the ashes of failure, right? Like, in the sense that, like, we wouldn't need it if we didn't fail. Right. <laughs> like, like that's literally the ashes of where grace comes from. So when it comes to when it comes to when we see grace in our life, it, it means looking at our failures, looking at them hard, not, not accepting them, not sitting them, not letting them define us, but at the same time, not letting them be the thing that keeps us from pursuing God. Because a lot of times our failures will define us such that we'll just give up our journey of faith. And we'll just take the back seat. So, and, and, uh, and which kind of ties into his second point, because this is a lot of times a failure that where we massively drop the ball. But I love how he made it its own point in the sense that uh, grace, how, how it affects this. Um, grace affects how we respond when we are wronged. I love that. I, you know, I heard somebody once say um, that because, you know, when you talk about being wronged and sometimes it can be hard to forgive someone. Um, I know in my own life, it has, I have found times where it's hard to forgive someone when they're not repentant or it's hard to forgive someone when you never get that apology that you felt that should have been there. And or you get you know, that, I'm sorry you were offended by it. Yeah, it's, you know, when someone is truly repentant and asking, you know, pl- you know, please forgive me, it's, I think it can be a lot easier to forgive them. But it's when, it's when you deal with those instances of, of where you never get that apology or the person never admits they had done wrong or, you know, they're, they're, you never saw any repentance. And so I, I once heard somebody say that forgiveness is setting the captive free and then realizing that the captive was you. Oh, that's good. It's a really good way to look at the the times because, you know, there have been um, some people here and there in, in my life that, you know, um, I experienced some things that were just pretty hurtful and, um, you know, sometimes, you know, ongoing for, for quite a while and, you know, hoping that, that that person might see the error of their ways and just say, you know, I'm sorry or, you know, I'm, you know, you know, please forgive me. And, um, and I had, I remember one time Robert and I were talking with, um, it's actually my, um, my sister's husband, my brother-in-law, and he had kind of looked at me, we were kind of discussing this, this, um, this situation. And, and he had kind of said, well, so, so who is hurt? Who's, who is hurting you the most, um, by your unforgiving, you know, attitude towards this? And, I just kind of looked at him and said, is this a trick question where mm-hmm. the answer is I'm hurting me the most? <laughs> he just okay. smiled and said, yeah, because that it's like, you know, that person who wronged you in that way isn't sitting there every day thinking about you. They're, they're doing something else, but you're reliving that and thinking that and, you know, your unforgiveness. And so yeah, I like that. Yeah. And when it comes to grace, like, if you receive grace, you give grace. Right. That's what you do. That's how we respond when we're wrong. I think it's important to clarify, just like I'm sure we tell our kids, forgiveness and trust are two different things. Right. I can forgive you and not trust you. Oh, yes. Matter of fact, sometimes that's necessary yeah. right. because 
the trust would lead to you having to forgive again, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes forgiveness comes with conversation. It comes with consequences, you know, but this is the nature of what happens when God puts clarity on when we are sinned against, right? When he puts clarity, I mean, if we don't need any more clarity than the cross. He's up there literally forgiving the people who are nailing him to it. Right. I, I, it, When people say, I believe you owe me an apology, and that's their standard by which they will forgive you, I call that a constipated Christian, right? Because <laughs> if, if, if grace is going in you, grace should be coming out of you. Something got you stopped up in there. Okay. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. You need some more fiber in your Christian diet. Maybe that is being in church. Maybe that's being in accountability. I like this illustration. I wish I had. I wish I had heard that what ten years ago. That could have. That would just so have been a, a phrase used in know, our home. I know, but like seriously, with our kids in like teaching you're, moments, you, you're not being. You're not giving grace. You are a constipated Christian. And uh, ain't nobody got time for that, right? So, so I think that's another one. And another one, uh, what, what else, Grace? What comes when we're often wronged? Well, the result of us being wronged is experiencing pain. And what Grace also does is it helps us process how we think about our pain. Man. Yeah, I think this was, this was really key. And um, this may have landed differently for me than just because of where my where my head is today but but uh you know the idea that that we can grow through our painful experiences because in the providence of god he has allowed us he's put us in this in this place right so wherever i am right now i'm here because god's allowed that in his providence this is where i am and he has a purpose for it for me to try and to try and learn from and grow from. And sometimes when things are going well, that's easy, that's an easy truth to grasp. But when when we're in the middle of something horrid and painful and and awful and you know hellish, it's really hard to look up and say, okay, you know, as Job did, you know, God gives and God takes away, but but blessed be the Lord mm. in in this situation as well as the others, uh, and that's really 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 tough. But I think it's important for us to understand when we when we understand what God's grace really means that that it does uh, account for it 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 deals with the uh, the garbage that's in my life, whether it's self inflicted or inflicted by others. You know, now I have that pain, and and I know that that you know Jesus, His sacrifice has a, has accounted for all of that in some fashion, and so here His grace allows me to to process through that in a different way. Now I don't have to be embittered by it. Now I don't have to Absolutely. to sit and be constantly looking back. Oh, what if this had happened? I wish this other thing had happened. It's like, nope, I'm here because God wants me to be here in some sense. As weird as that sounds, as 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 strange as that is, and as hard as that is for my emotions to accept, you know that's that's where I am right now, and and that's where you know that that gives me the the foundation to learn from and to 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 worship God even in that and to come back to Him. Yeah, and when we come back to Him, it's just in that He's our God, He's our eternal Creator. It's one of the most beautiful things that grace does in reference to our pain. I believe for me. Grace keeps me in 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 a minute of pain. It keeps me locked on eternity, mm. and and when I realize the grace I've been given, I could sit in that pain because that pain is not going to linger. It's just as fleeting as the thing inflicting the pain on me. But we have a God who's given us a grace that is. You know, this is where we were in Romans a few weeks ago. All things work together for good. That's not about like you get into fortune cookie, right? That's mm-hmm. that's about like nothing is snatching eternity out of your hands. It's all going to work out. And for me, that's what grace does in the middle of pain. Because if I'm going to be honest, grace doesn't... My, my hurt doesn't go away. I still have a bruise mm-hmm. on my soul. Like, like trust has to mend and heal. But what it does is it keeps me center locked in on eternity. And just this week, I was having a bad day. For no reason. 
And you don't ever have that? You're just having a bad day? And then all of a sudden, do you ever just stop and say, why am I having a bad day? I have, I have no reason to be having a bad day right now. Nothing bad has happened. Like, everything is fine and functional. Lock on the grace. I thought, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Another thing, uh, one of Dan's, his, his next point was this. Grace affects the way we look at our generosity. Mm-hmm. And that was very convicting. And, oh, man, I love what he shared, um, how it was just honest. Um, and you know, some of the conversation in the sermon, I consider that in-house church conversation. So, but for the purposes of the podcast, it lets us realize how much has been given to us, how much we should be giving. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's something that we, you know, when you think about it, I mean, even in, even in, uh, you know, just the, the, the normal, uh, material world, we all know people who it's like, oh yeah, I got this bonus at work, so I'm gonna buy lunch for people or bring in donuts or something like that. And and um, you know, there there are people who are who are like that. And and I think that's that's one thing that God, you know, wants us to understand, you know, to those to whom much is given, much is expected, and 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 he has given us in essence everything we have. And so for for me to try to Try to be grasping and 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 holding on to that uh, Scrooge-like, if you will, is really inappropriate because you know ultimately all of that comes from God's grace, whether it's you know a direct blessing in some sense or whether it's uh, you know something indirect. Yes, I worked for it, but I worked for it with the health that He's given me and the body that He's given me and the situation that He's allowed me to be in. There's so many of those things that yeah. You know, there's an infinite number of those of aspects of those things that I don't control and, and couldn't change if I you know if I wanted to. And one of the things that I've I think is important is to answer the question: What are you generous with? You're generous with what you have. I think there's a lot of times in my life I haven't been generous because I'm like, well, if I only had this, then I would be generous. Mm. Or if I could accomplish this, then I would be generous. You know, we're generous with what we have because he's given us what we have. We don't go take more so we then can be more like God, right? So when it comes to us being generous, there again, this is one of those very, um, it, it could be touchy and it shouldn't be. But, you know, duly noted in the sermon today, oftentimes these giving things have been manipulated, right? right. How many pastors have said, cheesy cliches, which I won't even recite here because they're not worth hearing, mm-hmm. or they've said, um, you sow your seed, or we'll give you this handkerchief, this is a real thing, mm-hmm. and you put it on your child's pillow, they get saved, right? There's so many things where money has been abused mm-hmm. to when you hear it done the right way, you don't know how to take it. But what grace does is it, it helps us realize the the amount we've been given. I mean, can you really put a price on eternity? Right, right. We we can't. So it's not ours to begin with, and it's it's how do we give it back to him? And then there's one more. And well, can I just yeah, say one more thing Bring about in, yeah. that? Is that another thing that I think churches fail to remind congregation uh, their congregations is that. Our generosity and our giving is an act of worship as well. Absolutely. And, you know, when we when we choose not to be generous, we are missing out on that aspect of, of worship. And and that's, you know, singing songs in church and worshiping through music is um, a different type of worship. And but but the you know, um, giving back the showing the generosity um back, you know, which is just a fraction, I mean, a shadow of a fraction of the generosity that has been bestowed on us, you know, with grace and, and just all the blessings that, you know, that God gives, you know, to us. And so when you turn around and have that opportunity to be generous back to your church, to the body of Christ, I mean, that is a, that is an aspect of worship that you would miss out on otherwise. And it doesn't necessarily, you know, one aspect of that is is giving to your to your church, but also to your church family directly. Sometimes um, we've known uh, people at various points in our lives who were extremely generous with their time, extremely generous with what they had, 
Um, some, some of those people didn't have much and were still willing to share with others in need. You know, as they had identified a need, it's like, oh, there's a need that I can meet. So let me try to do that. And, and I think as we, as we do that, uh, in in community, it's not just that I give to the the church to administrate, you know, the, the 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 pastor and the elders or whatever of the church to administer as they will, but also, you know, that's my role as you know as a Christ follower is to identify needs in the lives of other people and, and to try and meet those needs. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always a good exercise every now and then to to sit down and and literally make a list of where you're being generous. Not so you can pat yourself on the back, but so you can, just like you would your finances at home, right? You would say, hey, I'm mine. Shouldn't we put money towards this? Shouldn't we money towards this? Sometimes we're being generous with our time in places we shouldn't be generous with our time, right? And sometimes we're being generous with our money, places we shouldn't be generous with our money in the sense that we could be using it for different things. So ready for the last one? Bring it. All right. Generosity. Uh, Grace has a way to uh, influence how we're motivated for mission. It changes how we're motivated for mission. That one fired me up. That's where I started to go hallelujah, because, you know, when you realize that the mission of God is completed by God, what a good opportunity just to be his instrument. You're infallible. I mean, I mean go with me. I mean, like, if, if we're on mission for the Lord, he's doing his mission. Right, like we're literally just tools. If we're not being used, right, like he's still gonna make. It. If you're on his mission, that mission is infallible. You might meet pushback. Your little things might get shut down, but his mission, his will will be accomplished. His will will be accomplished. There's where 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 can you go and get that RTI? You know, like or is it RTI? ROI. ROI. You can tell I ain't that kind of guy, right? You, I don't manage the church money, but where can you go to get that? But you can go here, because when we're on mission with Him, and we see what it is in light of grace, we realize that that is actually obtainable. Hmm. No, and I think, you know, this kind of, all of these concepts tie together, and, you know, it, it ties into discipleship, because if you're, if you are discipling properly and being discipled properly, you're going to see those needs, you're going to see those places where you can give your time, and sometimes that time is mission, sometimes giving the uh, financial uh, support is two missions. You know, some people go, some people send, and, and, and you need both of those. And, and all of that works together in the community of the church, you know, of the body of, of Christ. These are not things that we do, you know, these are, these are not things that we do, we can't do it all individually, I think is what I'm saying. You, we have to do this uh, collectively in a body uh, in order for it to work. And, and some of that we can do uh, through Zoom and virtually and through podcasts, but a lot of it you have to do face to face. It is it is so much easier to identify a need in someone's life when you're actually in that person's life and you know it. You know, you you find things out because you're having coffee, you're having lunch with someone, and they mention a need that they have because it just naturally flows from the relationship, and now you have the opportunity to meet that. And if you don't put yourself in those situations, if you're not in those relationships, then it just doesn't work as well. Which brings us all back around to like, that's the importance of grace. And I thought this sermon was so appropriate because this is what we need in our families, not just our church families, but in our family family. We need to be people of grace. That 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 kind of defines the flavor of who we are. So I hope that's been an encouragement. We We do have a big tall order coming up this coming year. But y'all ready to sign off for 2022? I say today, let's <laughs> sign off in a very easy manner since we're, we're running short on time here. What's a, what's a Christmas movie that you go to? You're like, I can go to this movie. Let's go. Oh, for us, the Christmas miracle of Jonathan Toomey happens to also be a children's Christmas book. And then a movie was made out of it. The movie is great. We watch it every year. It's, it's great. And I would also say the man who invented Christmas. The man who invented Christmas. I thought you would have said yeah, Arthur Christmas. Love Arthur Christmas, I but I didn't. I didn't it. think you wanted me to list like five. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Arthur I, Christmas is a, is also fantastic. <laughs> I think I said earlier I like the Gremlins movie, and I consider that 
that's Christmas canon in my book, as it does take place in Christmas. I agree with. But uh, <laughs> and then uh, I Die Hard. I don't know. A jury's out on Die Hard. Is that a? I guess it technically. Technic- to me, it's a Christmas movie. It's a- you know, we we obviously obviously we've had this conversation in our in our in our home recently <laughs> about whether Die Hard is or is not a Christmas movie, and the standards it's that not. we would use is if if the it couldn't really take place at another time. You know, because the Christmas is a is a unique uh, aspect of it. Well, it takes place because of a Christmas party at an office, so it it has to be a Christmas. Movie. It is logically consistent as a Christmas movie. I'm Chris- sold. Christmas Miracle of Jonathan Toomey is available on Amazon Prime. Just saying. Okay, I'm going to have to check that. I've not seen it. <laughs> pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure it's free for Prime members. Yeah, but, definitely uh, worth. Well, there, there's your gift out. from us. So, hey, it has been an honor. It's been a pleasure. I'm looking forward to getting together again after the new year starts back up or continues going, however you want to look at it. That being said, I'm Delmar. I'm Robert. And I'm April. This is Living in Harmony. 